Welcome to Succession Stories. I'm Lori Barkman. As an exit value planning and M&A advisor, I call myself the business transition Sherpa. This podcast guides entrepreneurs from transition to transaction, from building value in your business to letting go. What do I do when I'm not hosting a podcast? I work with owners to maximize business value with my firm, small.big. And as a certified mergers and acquisitions advisor with Stony Hill, I guide you through the complex process of selling your company. Tune into Succession Stories for weekly insights to reward your hard work and avoid succession regrets. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for our newsletter at successionstories.com. Here's to your success. Is this the year to sell your company? Don't leave your exit to chance. Stony Hill Advisors works with entrepreneurs like you to get ready for what may be the biggest transaction of your life. Learn what your business is worth by visiting stonyhilladvisors.com slash podcast. 98% of business owners don't know what their business is worth. It's risky not to know what the value of your business is since it may be the largest piece of your net worth. This can be a problem for owners who are not able to recoup their investment when they want to retire. That's why I invited my colleagues, Christy Pozluzny and Fred Kaplan to the show to discuss the topic of business valuations. We are partners with Stony Hill Advisors, a mergers and acquisitions advisory firm for small to mid-sized companies with revenues between a million and $50 million. Stony Hill is the lead sponsor of Succession Stories and we truly appreciate their support of the show. I enjoyed having Christy and Fred on the show to share their knowledge and experience. Christy has a background in investment banking and middle market M&A with a focus on advising companies through a sale process to both strategic and financial acquirers. Fred is a former middle market CFO and financial consultant and has advised companies and performed due diligence on M&A and investment transactions in various industries. Listen in as we discuss common myths around business valuation, valuation methodologies, and why it's important to measure value. I encourage you to save this episode to your favorites to reference again and again. Enjoy this week's succession stories to understand business valuations with Christy Pozluzny and Fred Kaplan from Stony Hill Advisors. Christy, Fred, it is so fun to have you with me today. You're my colleagues, and I just wanted to take the opportunity to welcome you to Succession Stories. And also, thank you, because both of you were so helpful when I joined Stony Hill Advisors. Each of you took the time to meet with me one-on-one, and it's just been great to work with you over the last year and a half. So again, welcome to Succession Stories. Thanks, Lori. Has it really been a year and a half? It really has. (laughs) Time flies when you're having fun. Time flies when you're having fun. Absolutely. I want to start with each of you. I'm going to ask you the same question. Why did you get into mergers and acquisitions work? Christy, I'm going to start with you. Well, I got into mergers and acquisitions work for a number of reasons, primarily because I'm always interested in learning. And what's great about this industry is you're consistently learning about not only new businesses, but you're consistently learning about new industries. Another reason why I love the industry is because 
you're consistently building relationships, not only with business owners, but with people who are interested in buying companies and attorneys and lenders and so many different complementary you know, resources out there. And probably the number one reason is because of the fulfillment you get in real, helping your clients realize their goals. Absolutely. Fred, what got you into M&A? Well, my career has been as a chief financial officer and a fractional CFO and consultant for many years. And prior to joining Stony Hill, I had really morphed into more of a business development role. And I found that I missed the delivery of the consulting services, working with the client. And as an M&A advisor, part of what we do is business development. We build relationships and find new opportunities, but we also get to work on the fulfillment side and deliver those results. And as Christy said, watch one of the companies in a transaction walk away with a, with a sizable amount of funding to move on to their next chapter. And so that's really rewarding. Let's face it, I think we're all of us are probably a little bit deal junkies, right? We kind of like the, the momentum and the satisfaction of taking something beginning to end. I know I do anyway. Often the process is very much like assembling a puzzle where you have multiple pieces that include the buyers and the sellers and other related parties. And if you're representing a seller, what are the buyer pieces that are going to make a good match? It takes a bit of detective work, and that's a lot of fun. Yeah, 100%. Well, let's talk about the why. Why are we here today? Why are we having this episode focused on valuations? I'm super excited about it because it's really the first one that we've done in more than 100 episodes, truly focusing on valuations as a topic. We've hit on it in conversation, but we're here to pull back the curtain a little bit. And I wanted to start with the why. Why are we talking about this? And it's because 98% of business owners, which is pretty close to 100, (laughs) most business owners don't know what their company is worth. And this is a problem, but why? Why is this a problem? And I think the biggest thing, just to tee up the topic here, is that's because the majority of business owners have a lot of net worth locked up in their company. And how do they unlock that? How do they ultimately unlock that value when they're ready to leave? And if they don't have an exit strategy or a way to recruit their investment when they retire, then what are they left with? And so that is essentially why we're here today. Now, to dive into the topic, I want to start with Fred. Let's talk about valuation from the myths or the misnomers. Maybe people don't really have a sense, again, not only what their company is worth, they don't know, but they don't really know what a valuation consists of. So let's talk about that. What have you seen in your experience? Well, one of the the biggest misnomers is that there's a given multiple for my company. And you may hear this all, all the time. What's my company worth? Is it worth three times EBITDA, four, five times? And and the answer is, there is no single number. There are rules of thumb that will give you guidance as to what are multiples that are common in your particular industry. But those multiples, first, are not necessarily common in a different industry. Just because your next door neighbor who is a manufacturer sold a business at four times EBITDA, does not mean that your service business is worth four times EBITDA. And the second thing is that when you look at precedent transactions, the history of deals that were completed in your field and look at the multiples that were received, you get an average of what the market says your kind of business is worth. But that begs the question, 
is your business average? Do you maybe in every average there are companies with values above it and below it? And where do you fit? And likely you fit somewhere on that spectrum that is not the average. I think that the biggest myth is when someone hears that, well, recruiting and staffing companies are selling at 4X of, of EBITDA, that really may not be a, a fit for your particular business. That can happen when you go to the golf club and you hear so-and-so sold his or her company and they got this multiple of four times, right? They kind of leave that open-ended four times of what, right? And so how do we even unpack that to know four times of what, what does that even mean? And maybe the audience is wondering what EBITDA means and why that's relevant. And we're going to hold that thought. We'll come to Christy here in a moment. She's going to give us a little bit of insight about the math. Yeah, the other point you made is interesting, which is about where you fit. Have you seen any examples of that, Fred, where one of your clients or maybe in, in your, your experience at Stony Hill where someone surprised you, where they either punched above the weight class because of some other aspects of their business or, or maybe below where you thought they'd be because of some of these other factors? Yes. And typically, these uh, underlying adjustment factors that affect the risk behind the deal are not publicly known. You don't know whether there's a lot of customer concentration and maybe only two customers. Of course, makes that business risky and will lower that valuation. Maybe their employees have a high degree of, of tenure and very low turnover. Well, that would entitle you to a premium. So these are all factors that come out in the valuation methodologies that we use, but you really wouldn't know those details if you were chatting casually with, with someone else. Yeah, it's it's important to know, I think, where you stand. How often do you find companies should get a valuation? Well, I guess it first starts with what's the purpose. Right? If the purpose is for selling the business, then you want to get a valuation at that time. But you may also need a valuation to set your key person life insurance between partners in a business. Or maybe it's related to your profit sharing. I know one business was actually had its internal financial team doing a quarterly valuation. And I advise them that that was really unnecessarily frequent, that conditions were not changing enough to warrant the time spent on it. So they've moved to a uh, annual, but they use that number for a variety of internal purposes. I'm going to jump over to Christy because we started talking a little bit about some of the the numbers or definitions, and I thought maybe it's a good time to turn it over to you. Why don't you share the process? What's the process of doing a valuation? Yeah, and just to touch on, on some of the things Fred said, it's important to understand that there is a process to the valuation because a lot of times people will think, oh, just look at the, my revenue or their, their net income and just throw a multiple on that, and that's their value. Other times, you know, business owners will sometimes add premiums to what they think their business is worth due to their blood, sweat, and tears that they put into their business over the years. However, there is an actual process involved in, in determining an appropriate valuation for a business, and it does start with the financials. So in our process, we will always review the business's tax returns, as well as the internal financial statements of the business. And we want to analyze this information to understand the trends within the business, 
understand the business overall in terms of their operations, and ultimately try to arrive at either an SDE number, which is seller's discretionary earnings, or an EBITDA figure, as you mentioned earlier, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. In addition to EBITDA, we will want to have discussions with management to fully understand, again, those trends and some of the operations, because we want to find certain adjustments to those EBITDA numbers. Some of those adjustments will include the owner's compensation and any related benefits or perks, as we like to call them, that are embedded within the business that are directly associated with the owner. Furthermore, we want to understand if there's any extraordinary or non-recurring expenses that may have occurred in the most recent time period, such as a large accounting expense if the company was possibly audited, or a large legal expense if there may have been a settlement. These expenses don't reflect how the business operates in the ordinary course. So we really want to get a good understanding from a financial standpoint. Once we do that, we want to understand the qualitative aspects of the business. As Fred had touched upon, there are a couple of areas within a business that will either increase or decrease the value of a business. Like he said, customer concentration. If they only have two customers versus thousands of customers, that's a lot more risk. If they were to lose one of those two customers, then they lose a significant amount of their business. So that risk is going to decrease their value. However, if they have a, a substantial amount of recurring revenue within their business, where it's predictable revenue, um, it's coming every single year, like a gym membership, every single year, no matter what, that will increase value. So there are a number of different qualitative aspects within the business's operation that we also want to understand to figure the valuation upwards or downwards based on the financial methodologies that we will compute. So once we do all of that analysis, we'll input all of that into our valuation methodologies that we utilize in terms of what's appropriate to use for the company. And then we would impute an overall valuation for the company for them to use for whatever purpose they need. I want to come back to something you said about the owner's discretion on expenses. It's quite common mm -hmm. in the lower middle market mm -hmm. for a business owner to run personal expenses through the company. And a lot of times in these tax returns, we see that you know, tax obligations are minimized. Correct. And that is a strategy. And, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why when you talked about seller discretionary earnings, we are going through the mechanics of this math, mm -hmm. right? You talked about the isolating and what we call the addbacks. What, what expenses would we take out of the business? What revenues might we not count and so on? And we want to try to get to looking at the numbers where a different business owner might make different decisions is how I usually Correct. say it. And this example, maybe you've seen it and it's kind of extreme example. And people kind of shake their heads like, wow, but it's the toilet paper example. Maybe you're running your personal home toilet paper through the business. So you're saving, you know, 30 cents on the dollar, but yet maybe you're holding back that value. If our, let's just use three times EBITDA as an example of valuation here, maybe you're holding back the value of $3. Yeah. You know, you're saving 30 cents, but 
How do you help clients work through that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, when it comes to the tax returns and tax liability, accountants are doing their job. I say it all the time. They're doing their job for you on your behalf to minimize your liability. My job is to undo their job. <laughs> because what we ultimately want to do is show what the actual business is doing from a per financial performance standpoint. So um, ideally, we would love to have a business owner prepare ahead of time for a suitable valuation by separating their business and personal financial records so that they can show exactly what the business is doing from an expense standpoint. Um, if that's not going to be the case, we will work with the business owner and management to strip those that information out. Because like you said, while they may be saving 30 cents, it is actually decreasing their value because it's ultimately decreasing their cash flow and their valuation is essentially based on cash flow. So like I said, while the accountant is trying to minimize that income figure, I'm trying to maximize it as much as I can. Have you seen that too, Fred, in your experience? I have. Now, most of the business owners I meet are either focused on minimizing their taxes, so finding as many expenses as they can to offset their income, mm -hmm. or they're focused on maximizing current year profits. What I try to do with them is to introduce a third lens, which is a, a value lens, in that if you wanted to buy a business, would you prefer a business that shows no profit? Because the, that's one way many owners manage their business. And of course not. So sometimes it takes a little time. And this is why, in addition to just performing valuations as a moment in time service, we, we at Stony Hill do exit value planning, where we help companies prepare for a future exit that may not even be imminent in order to uh, shift that lens to become a business that make zero profit and pay zero taxes every year to one that makes money and has what I like to call transferable value to, to a buyer, right? Yeah. A business can make no profit and still have value to an owner because of various expenses that are, that are being carried forth and the job that it provides. But as, as Christy said, we need to prepare that business to be a uh, suitable investment for somebody else and that means putting on the value lens. What investments might you make now that will have a multiplier effect on the value in the future? For, for example, uh, it's another myth that you know, having no debt is really good for my business. And while not having debt has many positive uh, values to it, not making investments in your business will be viewed as a negative in the valuation process means you're not preparing for the for the future and you're not you're not building something you're really more treading water and that's not a, what a buyer wants to see a buyer wants to see a, a, a business that is moving forward and that the buyer can take even further forward yeah and it, it's also the same thing like, like you're saying with debt with with taxes you want to you, you may have to pay more in taxes for a few years to make sure your books are are relevant, but the multiple of the value that you're going to get is supersedes what you're going to be paying in taxes for those years. And, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. They, they just, you know, think, well, I don't want to give the government any more money and neither do I, but I'd like to see a little more in my pocket at the end game. 
Who is your most important customer? The person who buys your business. Stony Hill Advisors works with owners to maximize the value when you're ready to sell. Get started today with a business valuation by visiting stonyhilladvisors.com slash podcast. Well, we've given a lot of reasons why the process is important. Mm -hmm. Maybe let's talk a little bit about when and, and how. How does this start to happen? So in this context, we were saying it's good to be proactive. Maybe we want to get a baseline of where we are today. Fred, you were alluding to this, that maybe we need to, if we have a gap, maybe we have a gap if we want to retire and exit the business and maybe the business we expect it to be selling for 10 million, but today's valuation is really showing it at five, how are we going to double that enterprise value? So Christy, why don't you share from your experience, you know, the process, where does it start and what should an owner do to get a valuation? Well, the first thing you want to do is putting aside, you know, the owner extraordinary expenses. Um, if you're looking to do evaluation today, just to get a baseline of where you're at, the first thing you need to do is absolutely make sure that number one, you have all of your business tax returns completed for the most recent calendar year. I know a lot of businesses will go on extension, um, but before we start any valuation, we need to have the most recent calendar year tax returns done. Um, in addition to that, make sure your books and records internally are um, consistent, prepared well, and organized efficiently. Um, I've seen a number of times where business owners aren't um, really well versed in the financial aspects of their businesses and will record certain line items in inappropriate places. Um, so it's important to have those records to be organized appropriately because we do analyze both sets of data for the valuation. Um, in addition to that, um, you know, you want to really sort of focus a lot on some of the qualitative factors within the, the business because those have a significant impact on the valuation. And we'd be happy through additional discussions to go over through our conversations with you in the valuation process, what some of those qualitative factors are, how they are positive to your valuation, and while some of them may be negative, as to where you can make improvements upon. And Fred, from your perspective, what do you think listeners should take action on if they want to get ready? Uh, in addition to having your books and records current, there needs to be attention paid to planning because when a buyer buys a business, they're not buying history as much as they're buying your future cash flows. So the seller should have projections of the future cash flows that are reasonable and substantiated so that uh, the valuation uh, consultant would be able to use those in our projections of the value of that business. Uh, I also see that the qualitative factors are, are, are very important. Uh, as Christy said, some will bear a discount to the arithmetic a part of the valuation. Some will, will generate premiums. Uh, so it's very important to understand what are the value drivers of your business and of, and of your industry. They're not necessarily the same for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're advocating for this proactive valuation to baseline where you are today, understand where you want to be and see if there's a gap. But mm -hmm. then we probably should just talk about the 
mergers and acquisitions process as advisors, how do we use the valuation as the beginning point of a, let's call it a, a seller engagement. We're working with a seller to help represent them for a sale. So why don't we quickly touch on that? Because that gives context to also the bigger picture here of how it gets used. Christy, you want to jump in on that one? Absolutely. Um, so one of the primary reasons we do valuations here at Stony Hill is for clients that are looking to potentially sell their businesses. Um, and we can get into this a little more, um, but there are a lot of other reasons why a company would want a valuation to be completed. Um, but for our purposes, the first step is obviously understanding what our client is worth within the market. Um, we want to make sure we set the stage appropriately for not only our client's expectations, but for the buyer's expectations as well. Um, so we want to place the appropriate purchase price on our company as to where we are in the market today, not only from the buyers, but also from an economic standpoint um, and just overall market standpoint, um, because that has a big impact on valuations. Um, but that really does set the stage for the overall process. Um, and once we have a purchase price determined for the company, we will start our sell side engagement. Um, I like to think of it as being uh, broken up into two parts. So you have your marketing approach, which will we will go to market and we have a number of different ways we go to market through either direct outreach or online listings. Um, and this is a way we, we look to find that buyer. There's always one buyer for every business and we have to find that buyer. Um, once we have that buyer, we enter into the second stage of that process. Um, the second stage is really sort of getting the buyer um, through their due diligence phase, uh, where they can ask all kinds of questions, request additional information. We work with the buyers on financing if they need to get any financing. Um, and we'll work with the attorneys to help draft and negotiate the different agreements that are necessary for the process. Um, altogether, that is the overall sell side process. Um, it seems simple, but it is relatively complex and it is quite a roller coaster. Um, but on average, the timing can be anywhere from nine months to a year. Um, so I really want business owners to understand the timing aspect of that process because it can be um, a lengthy one. Yeah, absolutely. And that upfront calibration is so important. Fred, I know you've run into this issue quite a bit. Have you had clients where you've had to really calibrate on what the market would likely bear for, for the business? Yes, it's really the, the first thing that uh, prospects ask, what do you think my business will sell for? And as I said earlier, you can't really just ballpark uh, that uh, other than by giving a range, which can satisfy them to, to some degree, but maybe not maybe not fully. Uh, now also on the buy side, we have to work on the valuation of our, of our target companies. On the buy side, we are advocating for our clients who want to acquire or sourcing companies uh, for them, valuing those businesses, to the point of making an offer in a written letter of intent that we draft for our clients. So we get to be very specific as to how much we're going to offer to pay a closing, how much that may be paid in multiple anniversaries of closing, one year later, two years later, for example, what type of employment agreement uh, we would be interested in. So there are, I guess, backtrack a little bit, your business valuation is not necessarily the price that will be paid 
for your business or the price that you'll get because the purchase price is going to have other factors in it, such as how much a closing, how much is going to be deferred, employment agreements, other other factors. If if it's a minority or minority recapitalization instead of a, a complete divestiture, all these uh, issues influence what that purchase price is going to be. It starts with evaluation, that, but it's important to understand that evaluation is is a is a foundation mm-hmm. for getting to that, that purchase price, mm-hmm. not necessarily. Right. In addition, it, you know, it also depends on the structure of the deal, whether it's going to be an asset purchase or a stock purchase. That also has a big variable in terms of what ultimately the business owner is going to see at the end of the day and how it's structured. Absolutely. I think we're probably all our heads are spinning right now. We've taken in a lot of information and I know maybe there's a follow-up here. Maybe we have you guys come on again and we'll talk again about valuations and other topics in the future. So I really appreciate you coming on today. And if people want to follow up with you, if our listeners want to learn more, what's a great way to get in touch? Christy, how do they find you? Well, if they want to learn more about Stony Hill Advisors, um, they can visit our website. It's www.stonyhilladvisors.com. And it's Stony, S-T-O-N-Y. A lot of people like to throw an E in there. Um, But you can also reach myself at Christy at stonyhilladvisors.com. And it's Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I. And Fred, what's a good way to get in touch with you? Email is great. That's just fred at stonyhilladvisors.com. And we'll put all the links in the show notes too. I also want to mention for the audience, if you want to learn more about valuations and our valuation process, Christy and Fred did a wonderful webinar, and I'll include the link to that in the show notes also. So as we talk about the rounding down here and kind of winding up this conversation, I love to ask my guests for their favorite quote, so you are no exception. Each of you, let's see, who wants to go first? Fred, what's your favorite quote? This is one that I've hung on to since uh, high school, and it is um, from a philosopher by the name of George Santayana, and he said, he who does not remember the past is condemned to repeat it. I've carried that, that with me, so I'll make sure I do my research. <laughs> Absolutely. And Christy, how about for you? Well, my favorite quote is sort of my own mantra, and it's something I've used as I've developed my own career. Um, And it's, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. (laughs) I love that. Build a door. Christy, Fred, thank you so much. I know we could have talked for another hour. We're just hitting the tip of the iceberg. You're both experts in what you do. You're great to work with. And I want to thank you again for coming onto the show. Thank you so much for having us. This was great. Great fun. And to our listeners, thank you so much for your support. You can always catch Succession Stories on any of your favorite podcast players and YouTube. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. And if you want to maximize the value of your business and plan for future transition, you can also reach out to me anytime for a complimentary business assessment at meetlauriebarkman.com. Join me next time for more insights from transition to transaction. Until then, here's to your success. My objective is for you to have a lucrative and successful succession. If you want to understand the value of your company today, that's a great place to start. 
The sooner you understand what creates value and what detracts from it, the more time you'll have to close the gap if there is one. Hundreds of business owners have taken my complimentary business assessment. As a first step, schedule a call with me by visiting meetlauriebarkman.com. That's meetlauriebarkman.com.